Today we're going to talk about God's way is speech. Now, last week we looked at the word of God and the words that come out of our mouth and how important they are. And so if you didn't hear that message, I always feel kind of awkward saying listen to one of my messages because I really don't believe I'm God's gift of teaching, but I do believe that God wants to keep a church family on the same page. And so if you didn't get to hear that, it'll be on Facebook or on, it's on our website. You can download it, listen to it, so we can all be on the same page together. And if you remember, because this is so critical, the, the scripture says that the whole course of our life, did you catch that? That's a big phrase. The whole course of your life is set on fire by the tongue. We decided we didn't want our life set on fire by hell, but to be set on fire by God, by heaven, by the word. And so I encourage you, uh, make sure you get that word in you, and we can all be on the same page with the power of the word. Now, there's part of our responsibility is that we, we have to, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in the concept of how the Jewish people thought about hearing, when you heard, if you really heard, then you would be, you would be doing it. That's, when we say to somebody, you're not, you're not hearing me. The reason we're saying that, we know their ears are hearing, but we, don't, we know they're not really hearing because they're not doing you know, what you told them to do. And so God tells us and instructs us to do all kinds of things. Now, it's interesting because I'm going to share something with you in just a second. It's just real short, and uh, it's a little... Uh, clip out of a movie. By the way, when I show a clip out of a movie, I'm never endorsing that movie because I endorse very little that Hollywood offers out there. And also because about 15 years ago, I was thinking about a movie that I watched on TV that was called uh, City Slickers. And it's PG-13, so it's not supposed to be real rough anyway, but I watched it on TV, and I don't know if you know this, but they'll edit stuff out of stuff when you watch it on TV. They used to really edit. They're not as, they don't edit as much as now as they used to. And so I shared a story, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to watch I haven't watched that movie in 10 years. I'm going to go down to, there used to be a time, young people, where you could go to, like, the store, and you could rent a movie. And so I rented this movie called City Slickers, and I watched it. It was vulgar. It, was, it had some bad stuff in it. I remember next week I came back, do not go rent the movie City Slickers. Uh, so anytime there's a, a video clip, because they're used a lot, and sometimes they help emphasize something, but it's not an endorsement of the movie, okay? So I, I learned my lesson back then. But as teaching goes out, we have responsibility to hear. We have a responsibility to understand, and we have a responsibility to do what is taught. So let's get some emphasis by watching this quick six-second clip. Okay, I couldn't hardly hear that. Do we have some volume? Let's do it again. Go. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Okay, I want us all to do a little more than just smile. Uh, you know, Jackie Chan looks like he's, uh, I don't know, I don't know if he understood it or not. But we need to understand and do. So I thought I'd have Hollywood endorse that for us this morning. So we're going to dig in to Scripture. We're going to tweak ourselves a little. That's always happening. I mean, it's a lifelong process. And I, I want to encourage you. Instead of getting discouraged and beat up about that, embrace it. Enjoy it. We're, cha- we're being transformed by Jesus day after day. It's an exciting thing, not a, not a depressing thing. It's an exciting thing as we move into the fullness of the measure of Christ. And we're going to learn about God and how he 
uses words and how he connects power to words. So we're going to look at this uh, passage in Isaiah that me, you, all of us have probably quoted out of context. When you look at scripture, any Bible teacher will tell you, when you see a scripture, you need to keep it in context. You need to find out what's all the stuff going around it. Because I can show you in the Bible that there's a Bible verse that says Jesus does the miracles he does by the power of Satan. Now you go, that's not in the Bible. Yeah, it really is. But if you keep it in context, Jesus is doing miracles. The Pharisees hate it. People are following after him. They're going after Jesus. And the Pharisees say, well, he does all this because he's in cahoots with the devil. He, he does this. He does these miracles by the power of Satan. Well, that was really said in the Bible, but it was really, really wrong. And even Jesus said, that's ridiculous. If Satan is battling Satan, that's a dumb strategy. And so he said, that's not true. Obviously, he did things by the power of God. I like how the King James says, he, the Bible says they drove out demons and did miracles by the finger of God. I like that. Not by being in cahoots with the devil. So you've got to keep everything in context. And so as you look at Isaiah 55, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. We find out in the book of Acts, as either Peter or Paul told us one time, that the Lord's not far from any of us. And so if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in the right place. Because today's the day, because the Lord is near. Now I want you to, we're thinking about context here. Let the wicked forsake their ways... You see that? Wicked and ways. Let the wicked forsake their ways, and the unrighteous their what? Their thoughts. So who's God speaking to here? The wicked and the unrighteous. Let them turn to the Lord. This is a beautiful verse. Man, God's so good. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have what? Mercy on them. And what else will he do? And to... He will have mercy on them, and to our God, and he will freely pardon. So a pardon comes either because we found out you weren't really guilty, or somebody with the power said, even though you are guilty, we're going to pardon you, we're going to acquit you of the crime and the punishment. Well, we're kind of both now. First of all, God did acquit us, and we were totally guilty. But then you know what God did? He made us not guilty. Wow. He acquitted us and pardoned us even though we were guilty and then he made us not guilty. For he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so he made us new creations, the Bible says, new creatures in Christ. So we're to turn to the Lord, we get this mercy, we get this pardon from him. Now let's look on at the next one. And then it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways. Now, it's a test. Not a trick, but it is a test. He just told somebody, a particular kind of person, and addressed their ways and their thoughts. Does anybody remember? Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. So it makes sense that the, the conversation is still going. He didn't change things. He's talking to the wicked and unrighteous. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Because he's talking to wicked and unrighteous people. Now, you and I have all said it, and I, I get it, where we said, well, you know, our ways aren't God's ways. Our thoughts aren't his thoughts. But really, as believers, we should start changing that. 
Our ways should become God's ways, and our thoughts should become his thoughts. And then God begins to reveal how he works. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. Do you see what water does? Water makes the earth bud and flourish. So water is supposed to make life flourish. And then it goes on to say, so that there may be seed for the sower, so farmers and, and gardeners and landscapers, you get seed. And seed does all kinds of things. There's beauty in landscaping and flowers, which really seriously has no purpose as far as sustaining life except it's beautiful. And you know what? God's okay with that. He's okay with beauty. He's not against it. And so there's beauty and there's flourishing, there's seed for the sower, and there's bread for the eater. So it fills our tables with nourishment and food. And then God says, so is my word. In other words, God is saying, my word's like rain. My word's like that water. And again, what did water do? It flourished. It caused life to come. It caused beauty to come. It caused sustenance to come. It caused all kinds of things to come. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is God speaking. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose. His word will accomplish what he desires and it will achieve the purpose for which he sent it. I believe this time for me, you, all of us, like I say, I would love to have a message someday I could preach that I didn't have to do because I already had it mastered, but we're all growing. It is time for us to tweak and make sure our lives, our ways are becoming like God's ways and our thoughts are becoming like God's thoughts. Even as we do that, I am quite confident, confident that God's ways and thoughts will still blow our minds. We're still probably going to say, oh my goodness. But the more we know his ways, and the more we are doing his ways, the more we know his thoughts, and the more we're doing his thoughts, the more likely we are to see what God's doing and say, oh, I see what you're up to there. Woo, that's good. That, that, was, that was good. That's, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I, but, but now our thoughts and our ways are lining up to where we can say, I can see what God's doing. And his ways and his thoughts aren't as mysterious to us because we're, we're walking in his ways and walking in his thoughts. So we start seeing more clearly how God's operating, how he works. And here he reveals that one of the ways he works is speech. We talked about that in Genesis 1 last week. He said, 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 said. He didn't write, he didn't think, he didn't mime, he said, he said things. He, he was teaching us the power of speech. Now, how do we respond to this information? I believe we have to line up our thoughts to God's thoughts and our ways to God's ways, and we begin to speak out of that spiritual alignment to God. I don't believe God is obligated to fulfill all the wishful thinking that I might spew out of my mouth. Now, sometimes God will just do that. Sometimes God will just give you a gift. My parents had something uh, that they called the happy day gift. And so one day they came over. We were living up at the Parsons Inn. They came over. They delivered a grill. And I said, what's this for? It's a happy day gift. It did, they, didn't have to, they didn't wait for a birthday. They didn't wait for Christmas. They didn't wait for a holiday or an anniversary. They would have happy day gifts. Our, our kids thought that was a great idea. You know, just, hey, 
Just have happy day gifts. We don't need to wait for birthdays around here. And God, I believe, just gives us, you have experience, sometimes just a happy day gift. You go, oh my goodness, what a sweet gift the Lord gave us today on, or did for you or something. Just why? Because he loves you. I'll tell you something about the Lord. He, he thinks you're really something. That's what the scripture says. The psalmist says he thinks about you all the time. And this is what blows me away. This is what I love about Christianity. I love about Jesus. I love about the God we serve. He thinks about us all the time. And if we tried to number the thoughts he had towards us, they're more numerous than the sands of the sea. And the thoughts he thinks towards us are, guess what? Good. Good. You and I aren't that good towards thinking about ourselves positively as God is. His thoughts are good towards us. And so we speak out of the power of his words. I was thinking about the power of words, so I have a little golf story to tell you. Now, if you're a golfer, you'll understand this. If you're not, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background so the story will make sense to you. In golfing, if you're golfing by yourself, and there's a bunch of people out there golfing in maybe there's a group of four golfing, you're going to clip along a lot faster than them. So in the golf world, there's a courtesy called a playthrough. And so somebody will ask, hey, do you mind if I play through? And you say, oh, no, absolutely, because you're not going to slow them down. Or, or the golfers will actually say, hey, man, why don't you just play on through? And they say, thank you, and you play through. Are you with me? Because it obviously takes a lot less time for one person to get through a hole than for four people to get through a hole. So you get a play through. There's another important thing, that if you hit a golf ball that might strike someone, you're supposed to yell something. Does anybody know what you're supposed to yell? Four. Four. Never looked up why, but you're supposed to yell, four. Because a golf ball off of even a rookie is probably, it's a real hard, probably everybody's at least held a golf ball. It's a very hard piece of plastic, and it'll travel along about, for a rookie, about 100 miles an hour. For a pro, they say the ball clips along at about 180 miles an hour. So when you get struck by a hard piece of plastic at 100 miles an hour, it hurts. It can break a bone. It could potentially even kill you. And so this mute guy is golfing. Mute people, in case you don't know the word, means they can't talk. So he's golfing, and he's moving along pretty quick, and he holds up a little sign. He'll just hold up sign and say, hey, sign says I'm, I'm mute, I can't speak, can I play through? And then the people, oh, yeah, sure, play on through, no problem whatsoever. And so he's moving through the course pretty quick, and he gets up this one force and says, hey, you know, here's my paper, I'm mute, can't speak, do you mind if I play through? And the guys are jerks. They say, absolutely not said, you can wait your turn like everybody else. This is our spot. You're not going to play through. And so really, really rude, crude jerks. So they're playing the hole, and the mute guy gets up and tees off, and he drills one of them right in the back with the ball. And, of course, the guy's infuriated because it hurts. He's infuriated, and he turns around screams at the guy, and when he looks at him, the guy's standing there like this. Four. He's holding up four feet. He's mute. He can't talk. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe they should have let him play through. Words are important. Oh, goodness. Let's uh, look at a New Testament passage where these words come from the mouth of Jesus. Every time I read these words, they challenge the life out of me. Every time I hear them, they challenge me again. They don't challenge me to a point of 
I'm a loser, I'm never going to make it, I can't do it, you know, I'll never amount to anything, I'll never have, no, they challenged me to say, you know what, I can grow further in God, I can go forward in God, I can build my faith, I can build my trust, and so these are from the lips of Jesus, Mark 11, 22 through 25, or Mark 11, 12 through 14, it said the next day as they, this is Jesus and the disciples, were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, by the way, from everything I've ever studied, supposedly, if a fig tree has, I'm not a fig farmer, but fig trees have leaves on it, there's supposed to be figs on them. So, seeing a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he, Jesus, reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. There's a couple different seasons for figs, by the way, from what I've studied. And then he said to the tree, now I want to back up because when I teach on this, everybody gets hung up about the fig tree. What about leaves and figs? And I wonder what, you know, there's all kinds of teaching about what all that represents. That's not our topic today, okay? So just put that, you can study that out later this week. But he says, Jesus, now look at this. Then he, Jesus, said, is that what the scripture says? And then Jesus said to the tree. Now we read this stuff and we don't think anything about it. But in the real life world, if you were out hanging out with somebody and you saw them walk up to a tree and say, may no man eat fruit from you ever again, you would think, that's kind of odd. It's kind of odd. Jesus walks up to a fig tree and says, may no man ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples who were with him, what did they do? They heard him say it. So this isn't like, well, he probably didn't really talk. No, he heard him say it. He didn't think about it. He didn't write it down. He said. So the next day they're walking by, and Peter looks over, and he sees the fig tree. And guess what? It's been withering from the root. And he goes, oh, my goodness, Jesus, that fig tree that you cursed yesterday, is, it's withered from the root. And Jesus says, eh, that's no big deal. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Have faith in God. Now, if you read a literal translation or a Greek translation of this, by the way, if you don't know this, our Bibles, mainly the Old Testament's Hebrew, the New Testament is, is predominantly Greek, it's got some Aramaic and other stuff in it. And if you do a literal word-for-word -word translation, it's very cumbersome and awkward to read. If you've got a Greek and English Bible, read John 3.16, literally translated something like this, God loved world, son gave eternal life have. And you go, what? And so we add things, not in a sinful way, to bring clarity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You go, oh, okay, I see what it's saying there. Well, the literal, you can go to Young's literal translation, and the translation of this is have faith of God. So it actually says have faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. So Jesus is getting ready to teach us. And by the way, you have to have faith in God. I don't hate that translation. You have to have faith in God, or you won't have the faith of God. You won't trust God. You won't believe in God. So have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. And he said, I'm going to show you something here. And Jesus says this. He said, truly I tell you, if anyone says, do you see the qualifications there? You just got to be an anyone. And you have to say, I'm telling you, this challenges me, and I don't think we need to dismiss it. 
Because this is a perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, when Peter said, oh my goodness, the fig tree that you withered, uh, curses withered from the roots. Wouldn't this be a good teaching moment for Jesus to say, hey, this is not something you can do. This is a God thing. This is a Messiah thing. This is not something you can do. And we all would have said, that's fine. Makes sense. But Jesus doesn't. He puts no qualifications on it. He says, I'll tell you the truth. If anyone says, there's that speech thing again. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart. Wow. If anyone, if anyone, if anyone, you and I are anyone's. If anyone, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, predominantly prayer is, is, is words, by the way. I do want to say something. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you the truth here. Um, especially prayer of declaration or authority or whatever it needs to be prayed out loud. And I know people will say, well, I don't believe that. I've prayed all my life in my head. There's nothing wrong with you praying in your head. There's nothing wrong with you praying in your heart. God knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. But I'm telling you, from, from Scripture, speech is how God operates. Ver out loud speech. I went to visit my mother one day. She's gone on to be with the Lord. She was all upset. She's a good Bible scholar. Because she heard some preacher say that you ought to pray out loud. And she said, I don't believe that. And I said, okay, Mom, have at it because I heard that 10 years ago and it ticked me off too. And I checked the scripture and I went, wow, the way God operates is speech, talking out loud. Can you pray and commune and fellowship with God in your head? Yes. Can you pray and commune and fellowship with God in your heart? Yes. But Jesus models for us speech. He didn't say if anyone thinks, he said if anyone says. And so, it's funny, two weeks later I came back and she said, yeah, we're supposed to pray out loud. I said, okay. So she stated it out and she said, I can't find good evidence. Again, yes, God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart, but as you're commanding and releasing authority, it's done by speech. And it's even done in the world. It's even done in the natural world that we live in. If your child misbehaves, do you go, I'm sending them a really stern message here. I hope they get this. You don't act it out for them. You speak to them. You speak. We operate by speech. So when we pray, and let me, let me throw this in here too. Might as well make you mad about this too because I happened to me as well. There's always one person who likes being made mad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've heard this said before, believed it, and the scripture crushed it. You might have said this, you might have done this. If you have, don't beat yourself up. I did too. You've probably heard it said, but you know what? I had somebody tell me one time, I, I pray only in my head because the devil can't read my mind and I don't want him to know I'm praying because I don't want him to intercept and mess up my prayers. Now that seems like a very logical train of thought and I operated in that for a while too until one thing bothered me. Are you ready? One day I'm doing that and I'm thinking, I am ascribing tremendous power to the devil and little tiny power to Jesus. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine God saying, oh, way to go. 
you prayed that prayer out loud. It's done now. I can't do nothing about it. Satan's going to step all over that. He's going to ruin that. So anything that exalts the devil and minimizes God, I make an adjustment to. And I remind myself, we serve a great big God, and he's a little bitty devil. We serve a great big God, and he's a little bitty devil. So anytime you get something that goes, oh, we got to be afraid of the devil. Uh, no, no, we don't. And so it changed the way I prayed. Now, if you've done all this for 50 years, I know it's somewhat like that. That aggravates me. So let it aggravate you. Check it out. I've been through it already, and I adjusted my ways. Because our Christian life is about tweaking our lives to line up with God, to line up with his word, to line up with his ways. I can tell you, God loves us passionately, but he ain't changing for me or you. He's forever settled. His word's forever settled. He changes not. And so I determined I might as well change and line up with him. Then he says this thing that's kind of aggravating at the end of this. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and, you will be, and it will be yours. So we're operating in faith. We're operating in belief. Here's the one that aggravates me. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It's like, why'd you tag that on there for? We were really on, we were moving until you started messing. You know, God goes from, from instruction to meddling. And so, but he has the right to. I don't know. I'm not trying to teach a doctrine on this. You can study it out for yourself. But I started thinking about this. That you know what? We got all these passions in our lives that we want God to do these things. We want him to move mountains. We want him to pluck up trees. We want him to do all this. And then, you know something God loves? God loves love and unity and forgiveness. And we say, well, I don't care what you love. I just want you to care what I love. I want you to move the mountains that perturb me. I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And I think it's time for us also to say, hold it. If there's something that moves your heart, God, I want to do that too. If, if, I'll forgive. Some grievances that have been done to us are huge and it will only take the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've also noticed that some grievances are small and they get rooted in somebody and then they grow up to be big. It's after years and years of years of thinking about that little thing that you it becomes a stronghold in your life, and so just crush that mountain and just forgive. Now, let's wrap up with the most powerful demonstration of speech that there is in Scripture, in my opinion, for the most powerful miracle that any person can experience found in Romans 10. In Romans 10, verse 6, it says, and I, I just think this is cool, but the righteousness that is by faith, what's the next word? Says. Isn't that interesting? But the righteousness that is by faith says, it speaks something. You say, well, what other kind of righteousness is there? Well, there's no righteousness other than this that will get you into heaven, but there are righteousness that people try. It's called self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness, you always think, oh, you're a really bad, horrible person if you're, you're self-righteous. But sometimes we become self-righteous in a way that looks beautiful to the world. I'm like a really good person. I'm going to do really good. I'm not interested in Jesus, but I'm just a really good person. You know, and I do good, and I try to do what's right. And, and, so, and you really are a good person. I met people that it appeared to me, and I knew them pretty well, that their moral and ethical life seemed to be better than some Christians I knew. And yet the Christians are going to heaven, and they're not. Because it's not on how good are you, it's do you know Jesus? Have you yielded your life to Jesus? 
And so here, there's this righteousness that's by faith, and it says, don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Like, I need a Savior. I'll go up there. Who will ascend into the deep? Oh, yeah, they put him in a grave. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. No. But what does it say? What does a righteousness that comes by faith say? Here's what it says. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. If you declare, speak, confess, say, whatever word you want to use, whatever your translation uses, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love this too. I love how God doesn't qualify stuff. You know what? We're qualifiers. Well, that person... They prayed, and they said, they confessed, and they believed, but I'm a little suspicious of them because they don't fit my passage of what I think, my idea of what I think a Christian ought to look like or whatever. we got all these prejudices. Aren't we thankful that God doesn't have them? He just says, hey, if you'll confess with your mouth. So somebody says, so you're telling me, Tracy, anybody can just give their hearts to Jesus and believe in their heart and ask confess Jesus as Lord and they could be saved, just anybody. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So you're telling me some heinous murder on death row. Uh, yes, that's what I'm telling you. You're telling me that my, my grade school bully, yes. I'll tell you somebody else who can even be saved. You. Even you can. With all your prejudices and all your all your complaints and all your, I'm going to make God behave and tell, no. Now, I do know this. When somebody truly is born again, their life changes. I didn't say they were perfect. But Jesus, the scripture says that Jesus makes perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he makes me perfect, and I work out that perfection. I work out that holiness all the days of my life. So if somebody tells me that they've given their lives to Jesus, and I look at their lives 10 years later and they're still living like Ken to Lucifer, I, I'm curious. I'm, I mean, that's God's business, but I'm, I'm concerned because if anyone's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, there ought to be some kind of change in my life. So I'm not soft saying, ah, you know, just say a couple words and go on. I mean, I'll tell you what, you want to get people to say Jesus is Lord, you can do it all day long. Just take out a $100 bill. Walk up and say, hey, if you'll say Jesus is Lord, I'll give you a $100 bill. But they need to confess and believe. Not just, oh, that's a quick $100. So I believe there's a life change that happens. So it goes on and says that for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess, speak, declare that you are saved. It's interesting. These are the same two topics Jesus is talking about in Matthew, or Mark 11. Our heart believing and our mouth confessing. And I love verse 11. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. Wow, praise God. So here's our challenge for the week. Continue to build our faith in God and in his word. Continue to build our faith. We're on a daily journey of this, and I want to encourage you. If you don't have some kind of daily time with God, I'm not going to cookie cutter it for us, but you need some time with God. And then you need to take that time into your entire life. I just decided to do that all my life. I would be, I was in the computer business for years, and I'd be sitting there, and I'd just be praying. 
people would walk by, I'd be working on a machine. Excuse, excuse me? Did, uh, nothing, just, you know, talking here, talking to God. Just I decided, hey, you know what? I can be a Christian at work. I can be a Christian at school. I can be a Christian in, in the neighborhood. I can be a Christian at the, at the restaurant today, even if the, if, even if the waiter does a horrible job or they're mean or whatever. I can still be a Christian and let the love of Jesus shine out of my heart. Life, I can be a Christian everywhere. So continue to build our faith in God and in his word. I like having some time with God every day as a, a specific focal point, and I like just going with God throughout the whole day. Second thing is exercise the God kind of faith in your speech. Just begin practicing. Hold it. God said that I could speak, and if I would believe and trust, and, and I, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just telling you, I've done it before and felt like what I prayed and asked for didn't happen. You know what I do? I go to point three. Point three is put your trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't make anything happen. I can only put my trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. I knew a gentleman, um, we were both in our late 20s, and I'd begun pastoring here, and he was pastoring another church. Didn't know him real well, but we had acquaintance from up in Indianapolis. And he didn't have a real, real large church or anything, so it wasn't like the pressures of delegating all the staff and everything. But he ended up not long in ministry having a nervous breakdown. You know why he had a nervous breakdown? Because he took the burdens and cares of every person on himself. And he said, I, I got to try to fix this thing, and I got I to pray this through, and I got to make this happen, I got to do that. Sometimes the burden you have on your own life can feel overwhelming. Try putting three people's burdens, five people's, seven people's, 12 people's, 15 people's. Now what happens when somebody does that is they're really beloved because you realize this person's like all in with you. Like if you're worrying, they'll jump right in and worry with you. I tell people this, I would worry with you if it would help, but it won't help. And that may make me seem callous, but I know this. Worry is like shoveling air. It just doesn't do anything. And so we got to pray, and we got to believe, and we got to trust, or we get overwhelmed. And then that poor pastor has a nervous breakdown, and then the church gets a new pastor, and they go, oh, you know, we really miss so-and-so, but such is life, and on they go. So I encourage you, you're not designed to carry other people's burdens. You're supposed to even cast your burden upon the Lord. You're not designed to carry your own burden. And so we cast all of our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. And so we pray and we trust and we work and we serve and we do whatever we believe God showed us to do in Scripture. And then we just trust the Holy Spirit. We just trust the Holy Spirit to make up the difference. I, I can't make it happen. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. I can't do any of those things. What I can do is be an earthen vessel, a jar of clay, and believe that the all-surpassing power of God may move through me and change a life save a person, heal a person, whatever. That, but that's God. I have to relax and let God do it. And so put your trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in yourself. And if we're not careful, we make idols out of even Christian activities. Did I pray acceptably enough that God looked at my prayer and went, yeah, that one's good enough. I think I'll answer it. No, I, and I'm all for learning to pray better. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, wherever we're at, we just got to do our best and trust God and keep growing. Did you hear that phrase? And keep growing, and keep growing, and keep maturing in the Lord.